and welcome to Novel Thoughts, a book chat podcast hosted by me, Michelle Thomas, me, Sapphire Bates, and me, Joseph Dance, three book lovers from East Kent. Each week, one of us will pick a book, maybe an old favourite or something they've just read and loved, and the three of us will read and discuss it. We'll also chat about what culture we've consumed that week and take questions from you, our lovely listeners. This week's book is Disobedient Bodies by Emma Dabbery, chosen by me. But before we talk about that, how is everyone? Good. I mean, we're getting into the depths of winter now. As we mentioned last episode, we are recording um, in, we're in in December, um, a bit behind you guys. So it's absolutely freezing. It is. It suddenly frost has appeared on the window panes. How are you doing, Joseph? I'm feeling a bit flat and I'm putting it down to winter. I think it's just, it's that time of the year where normally I would want to cosy up and read a good book and I just can't find the energy. So I've been listening to podcasts and watching TV. I hope that's okay. Any good podcasts? Um, I always listen to um, What Should I Read Next? for recommendations. That's hosted by Anne Vogel. So love that. That's kind of a, a fixture in my podcast. Um, I have been watching a TV series I just wanted to mention to you guys. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it. It is called The Curse, and it's with Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder, and it's just out on Paramount TV. Where does one get Paramount Mount TV? You have to pay for it. Oh my it's another, another oh my one of goodness. the million and one streaming services. I thought I had them all, but clearly <laughs> it's, it's not. A, a bargain at only $159.99 a day. <laughs> you can get it through your smart TV, I think. But um, it's bonkers. I'd really recommend watching it. I think the UK has got three episodes of it at the moment. And it's. Um, I'm not even going to go into the plot. Just watch it and we can talk about it later. I'm going to wait until it's all downloaded um, and then I can do a week-long trial binge it and then cancel it so I don't have to pay. Okay. (laughs) And that's how you're going to make your millions. Hey, it's a cost of living crisis. Have you watched anything good? Yeah. Read anything good? I'm so behind. Um, I'm only just watching Game of Thrones. What? What? Well, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> I'm absolutely loving it, though. I'm, I'm, I'm really into it. I'm up to like season. I think I've just started season three last night. Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, really good. So lucky. Um, and yeah, not reading as much this week, but podcasts. I mean, I listen to tons of podcasts. So some of my favourites, uh, Crime Junkie. You'll find most of them are true crime related. Um, crime Junkie, Morbid. Small Town Dicks is a new one, which I've just Morbid. recently found. Oh, I've seen this one. Yeah, really good. It's got Paul Holes in it. Big Paul Holes fan. Love that guy. Um, and then, yeah, there is a few therapy ones I listen to as well. I've basically got about 15 podcasts I listen to each week. Great. And I introduced my son to Gremlins. So we had great fun watching that on the, Saturday The original? The ori- there is no not original. Oh, There's I, only uh, The Gremlins. The first one and the second one. Well, you've been told. <laughs> <laughs> no, they thankfully they haven't remade it. So it's the original Gremlins. And because um, he's 13 now, so he's just getting into that age where he can be exposed to little sort of gentle horror. Um, and he absolutely loved it. And he was in hysterics at the bit when the lady shoots up in the Stannis stairlift. And then I pointed out afterwards to him that she had died <laughs> and he hadn't actually realised. I think he thought that it was just like a, you know, sort of slapstick. And it was like, no, no, she's definitely dead. This but, is traumatising. I mean, mm. it is. I mean, and to describe gremlins as gentle horror. I mean, a gremlin gets put in a microwave yeah, and it's a, a gremlin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I've got um, a small black pug. Uh, who we call a gremlin because she is literally like a gremlin that's got stuck in the wet mode. 
Um, <laughs> we, we do also call her demon dog, but Gremlin's a bit softer, a bit kinder, um, because she is like the spawn of the devil. She's so naughty, but very cute, like a gremlin that's wet. Well, definitely don't microwave her. Well, well I hadn't planned to, but thank you. Use a hairdryer on the cool setting. Treat her like the princess she is. Right. And on that note, um, let's have a chat about disobedient bodies. For too long, beauty has been entangled in the forces of patriarchy and capitalism, objectification, shame, control, competition and consumerism. We need to find a way to do beauty differently. This radical, deeply personal and empowering essay points to ways we can all embrace our unruly beauty and enjoy our magnificent disobedient bodies. Um, one thing to know about this book is that it's published by the Welcome Collection um, and it's in conjunction with an exhibition, The Cult of Beauty, which is on now and until April 24th next year. So it is a, it is an essay, I'd say. It's not an, uh, a chunky book. It's a couple of hundred pages, not even that. 140 pages. So it's something you can read pretty quickly. Um if you haven't heard of Emma Dabry, have you guys heard of her before? Yes, I've read both her other books. I haven't read any books by her before, but okay. I have heard of her. But you've heard of her. Um, she's quite well known now. She's an Irish-Nigerian Irish academic, an author and broadcaster, and her books include What White People Can Do Next and Don't Touch My Hair, which are both really deal very much with race and kind of came out of Black Lives Matter to, in, to an extent. She also writes for Elle and The Guardian, teaches at SOAS and is completing her PhD at Goldsmiths. And she lives at least part of the year in Margate, where we're obviously broadcasting from Ramsgate. So she's our neighbour and friend. Anyway. <laughs> we, we've never met Emma never Dabbery. Met her. Emma, if you're listening, we're not watching you in any way or surveilling you. We love your book. I, I have chatted with her on Instagram. So. Oh, I stand oh, yeah. corrected. <laughs> <laughs> Your best friend. <laughs> She's my best mate. Um, so what did you guys think of this book? Mixed thoughts. Um, I really like Emma and I, I, I really enjoyed her, her previous two books. Um, so I went into this thinking I would like it. Um, but there, there was hesitance. Um, I remember, so so I actually have a bookshop and I remember you coming in and ordering the book and I said, yes. oh, I haven't read it yet. And you were like, oh, you've got to read it. Um, so I was like, right, I must. Um, and I, I wondered what had stopped me previously because there was that bit of hesitation as to why I hadn't sort of picked it up yet. I, I, did, I, I did, shall I save it for the weaknesses or shall I just dive in? What dive in. I just felt like, I know she says essay, but I, I felt, although it's not long, I felt it could have been a lot shorter. And it's not like a personal criticism because I think this happens a lot with nonfiction. Um, and I, I think the fault sometimes lies with the editor um, and the publishing houses is that I, I felt there was a lot of repetition um, and I felt it could have been cut down a little bit. There was She made some really good points um, and it was interesting and I think the topic is important. But to me, I was I got bored because I felt like it could have been said in a hundred less pages. <laughs> Ooh. 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 So just 40 pages. <laughs> Basically, yeah. we're, just, we're, getting, we're getting a takeaway menu. Like. A sheet of A4. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So, well, over to you, Joseph. I'm, I, I mean, I, I wanted more of it. I, I didn't think 140 Ooh. pages was enough. I should say I saw the exhibition at the Welcome Collection and I think this essay works really well as a companion piece to that. And when I went, I went a couple of weeks ago to that exhibition and it was absolutely packed. 
packed. And I spoke to one of the um, one of the gallery staff, and he said it's one of the most popular exhibitions they've had in a long time, and the book's been selling really well. So clearly, there is an appetite for this kind of discourse on modern beauty standards and what that means for women and how how we all help women, how we all break out of it, basically. Um, I did think the writing um, was a kind of a bit of a mixed quality, and that's not necessarily a criticism. Um, I loved the fact that there was some really strong academic kind of essay writing in, in, in the book. Some of it felt more like the kind of writing that would accompany an Instagram post. But, uh, you know, I appreciate that um, her audience is everyone. So, you know, it's got to be accessible. And that was fantastic. Um, I did feel the conclusion was a little bit rushed. I don't know if we want to talk about that later. But I, I, she had some really great arguments. And I felt like at the end, she just said, yeah, join a women's group and, um, yeah, community. Bye. <laughs> Do you think she said it in that voice? No, she didn't. She said it in a much more empowered way and that wasn't patronising. <laughs> well, I wanted to really sort of talk about the central premise of the book. I mean, obviously, I think everyone's well aware that there are problems around beauty and the idea of beauty. But I really liked, I found her arguments around this idea of a kind of Cartesian hierarchy of beauty and male men as being um, associated with the mind and rationality, whereas women are like these sort of flesh props um, imprisoned in their bodies. Um, and also I've talked about the whole idea of like why women are defined as decorative objects. Um, I don't know if you want to just talk about that for a minute or two. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was one of the strongest parts of the mm. book. Um and that's where I was talking about kind of, like, you know, the academic essay. So where she talks about the subjugation of women being rooted in the anti-sexuality beliefs of Christianity, the development of Cartesianism, so the split of the body and the mind. And then you've got added to that imperialism with white perfection. And if that wasn't enough, you've got colonialism where you don't yeah. even own your own body anymore. And then on top of that... If you can still, if you're still standing, you've got capitalism, and that I think for Dabiri, that's where she says that all of these kind of forces have kind of perfectly coalesced to to keep women down and to keep them as objects, really. A hundred percent. And I was listening to a, um, a podcast this morning um, by Jamelia Jamil, who's an actor. Her podcast is called I Way, and she's someone who had an eating disorder, and she talks to feminists. Um, Various people, actually, from all different walks of life. But I can't remember the name of the person she interviewed this morning, but they were talking about marriage and the myth of marriage and, again, about the whole, the whole way that women are... Because marriage is a trap that gets people, women into uh, unpaid labour, essentially. And when it got to the point where women could actually earn their own money, then they had to romanticise marriage So because this is how the patriarchy keeps us doing this unpaid labour. And Dabri kind of talks about some of the same issues, but around beauty, but obviously about women's power being taken away and about you know losing the ability to work with the Enclosures Act. So there's so much going. There's a lot packed into a very short book. Yeah. See, I, I favoured the first part of the book over the second, mm. um, and perhaps that is because I, I feel like that's the part that felt more academic. I thought the way she brought all these different. Um, issues together was clever. It was well written. I was interested and I was like, yes, yes. Um, I don't know if in part, like I, I am a big mood reader. So I do kind of want to caveat what I'm saying with, I had had a heavy 
um, uni week in terms of reading. So I'd read a lot of academic texts by the time I picked up this. So I think in part that could have played to why I didn't walk away thinking I'd loved it because I, I might have been at my max in terms of how much how much uh, nonfiction I could consume. Um, I do think that played into it because I, I do think these are all really important topics and I, I didn't want to be bored by it, but by the end of it, I was. Um, and I, that's, I felt the, the latter, uh, really kind of let it down a little bit. Like I, I just, I think she could have gone into more into what we can do. Um, I, something about that part of the book, I was just like, well, yeah, but I want more, you know? I wonder if it's actually that in a way she maybe doesn't know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I, and I, and I, I also understand that there is no easy answer to this, mm. like, right? Like these, this is so complex and so deep rooted in, in so many different ways that there is no like snap of the fingers. Well, there's a lot of the different answer. power structures that, that you're, uh -huh. you're having to unpick here. Mm. Yes. So it's not like you can just go, right, okay, we'll just all agree that we don't care what we look like on the outside. I almost, part of me almost wishes she kind of hadn't tried to go into what, we could do because that actually took up quite a chunk of the book part of me almost wishes that that was a chunkier conclusion and when she starts to consider mm. okay where do we go from here um and then more of the book had been focused on like how did we get here where are we at why why are we still here what yeah and went into that more perhaps might have flowed better for me because I just felt like the the parts about what we can do about it did feel as Joseph said a, a a little rushed. A little rushed, a yeah. little just kind of like, oh, join a community. Um, what community? And it, it yeah, I've, I've, I'll kind Start of like... open water swimming, come on. <laughs> it, yeah, that, I, I, that was the part that I... I, I think what I, I, I got what she was saying in the sense, I, I, I've, there's weaknesses and I agree, but I also think that I, what I did like about what she said about it about beauty is and other cultures where beauty is a, a um, active action that's created every day as opposed to just being like this object of beauty yep. which is gazed at and and admired but not and then also this constant like well now we've decided you're beautiful so now you have to maintain that beauty and you've got to be constantly striving for perfection which is impossible because next week we're going to change what beauty is. I mean, they've done it again. Heroin chic is now back. Apparently, we've gone from being body positive to being having to be super thin. The, uh, oh no, because now you can get these drugs, so you don't need to diet. Um, so yeah, I think. And when she talks about looking at other cultures and how their ideas of beauty, and I guess that's something where you know maybe. I don't know, she might do a follow-up. I mean, I think that might be quite an interesting thing if this was really for the exhibition and then maybe she could expand it for a, a longer tome. I Emma, if you're listening. <laughs> Emma, if you're listening, write a second book. I'm, I I wanted her to write more about the the kind of the Yoruba notion of um, Iwa, I think she talks about mm. at some point in the book. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And she just kind of touches on it. Um, and it's this idea, it's completely um, opposed to a, a Western-centric version of view of beauty. And it's 
essentially it's a beauty that's linked to character and your contribution to community and I wanted more of that I thought that was like one of the more interesting parts of the book and she talks about Japanese traditions and she talks about because she's half Irish I can't remember that the the names of of the traditions but she talks about kind of Irish ways of seeing beauty and doing things and I thought yeah that's this is Mm. these are lessons from another place we don't hear enough about these I think the the Celtic culture she talks about but also the Yoruba thing where she's talking about you know like the woman who's who is beautiful and has smallpox scars. So it's the uniqueness. Mm. And one of the things that I find really fascinating, I mean, and it's something else that she talks about a little bit, is that obviously we now have more more representation than ever in terms of diversity and inclusion, and yet people oddly look more and more the same. Yeah, more like... like- I'm getting like Kardashian vibes from mm. basically everybody, like same eyebrows, same kind of skin tone, even though people don't have the same, you know, that same yeah. kind of like contouring and, and, and face. Well, I hit the mic, I got so into it. Um, yeah, I, I found that concept really interesting because it's very true. We are, it almost feels as though the definition of beauty is getting narrower um, as uh, and that we're all moving into one kind of look, which is great for maybe those people that fit into that they might be loving this era I don't and I don't want to um, and I found it quite baffling that we are all starting to look so and I similar. think that especially with uh, like filters they're one of the things that just drive me mad because I can see now when people have put a filter on their photographs and I'm like you don't look like that and you look perfectly fine as you are why do you feel the need and it's this weird sort of on the one hand here's this empowerment because you we we now own our own narratives around what we look like in a way because we can post all our selfies and everything else but then everyone's kind of at the same time become more and more constrained into what the sort of instagram life and what you are supposed to look like well yeah because we're not none of us are posting as we actually are like Mm. i often post stories and then think wow i look really rough and then i think i have to (laughs) kind of chastise myself and think okay i might not be looking my best i've not got like a full face of makeup on but i this is just what I look like, but the diff. But then I'm I'm looking th- through other people's stories or what's just been posted, and and it's all been quite perfected, which is just not me. I roll out of bed, I live in tracksuit bottoms. Like <laughs> I, some days I don't brush my hair. Like that is you know the kind of kind of world that I am living in. Um, and it, it's sad seeing how. I guess how little has really changed in terms of... Because things have changed, air quotes, but really nothing has changed. I think it's changed in the sense that you now see brown and black faces. Yeah. But they've still been curated. Yes. So it's still like, okay, you've got dark skin, but you still fit this standard of physical perfection, which is obviously... And then, and mm. even the people themselves say, well, I don't look like that. It, I'm kind of doing some sort of live uh, self-reflection because I, I was kind of thinking on as we were just talking, there was a part of my brain kind of ticking over um, the old uh, uni skills of the old self-reflection I have to do. do but I'm, I'm thinking like, why? Stick with me because I do have a point to this. <laughs> I see confusion. No, I was thinking, why did I not love this book? Like, actually, th- these topics are so important. This should be right up my alley. And as I said, I'd already read quite a lot, but I was thinking on that some more. I'm thinking on it some more now. And I'm also wondering whether it's it's almost misdirected tiredness. And I wonder if, if actually it's a reflection that I'm just tired of these standards. I'm tired of being a woman and, and having to to think about all these things and being placed under these pressures and having no choice but to consider all of these things because 
they are there and very much real and going on. And and I, I, I'm I'm yeah leaning towards that sense of fatigue is just oh, I'm sick of all of this. Like I'm I, she's right and I'm she's bang on with what she's saying and it's just tiring. I just I just want to exist. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I think the beauty myth which she references. I remember reading that and thinking. You know, this is very clever. It's like it's designed to keep women slightly insane. And nothing has changed. And it's like, you know, this is 30 years on, 40 years on now. God, <laughs> that makes you feel old. Um, and we're still trapped in this, I need to be thin. I need to be, you know, I think the the Barbie speech, you know, that... Um, in the film where she talks about you need to be thin but not too thin you need to be pretty but not too pretty you need to be mm. popular you need to be this and nothing ever is your is it's all your fault nothing you do is ever good enough and um and you can never complain and it's like there is this just yeah just this sort of insane constantly having to be obedient and i think this is what mm. naomi wolf says in the original yeah. the beauty myth it's the beauty standards it's not about women being thin it's about them being obedient well also if you're slightly undernourished all the time then you are going to be obedient because you're not going to have much spare energy to fight the patriarchy practical yeah i guess if you're lightheaded yeah you're not going to have the energy to kind of like yeah you're not going to be marching you're going to be sitting at home going i'm cold i have to say i have to say as a man reading this book <gasps> are you a man <laughs> i'm a man i'm a man today as a man re reading this book i thought it was a real kind of um educational experience i mean i knew about the unrealistic um expectations beauty expectations put on women but I didn't know a lot of the details. So um, Dabiri has a fantastic section on uh, rejecting upgrade culture. Yeah. Do you remember this bit? And she talks about ridiculous procedures like fox eyes. Oh, yes. Snatched chin or a snatched jawline. Um, Botox along your hairline. What, what, what is that supposed to do? Um, it's because um, if you sweat and you have baby hairs, then they frizz. So it stops. You can have both. so much new terminology. You can have baby hairs. Is that why my baby hairs frizz? Am yes. I sweaty and I don't know it? Do I have baby hairs? Am I sweating yes. now? Oh, okay. It's just these fine little hairs on your hairline. You know, that aren't your proper head of hair. You've got like little fine hairs. Okay. Um, but you can have Botox injected into your feet so that you can wear high heels more comfortably. I mean, it's yeah. It's right. Just. And and there are so many operations now, and 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 you know this idea, cosmetic surgery, which makes it sound like a casual little thing that you can do at the weekend, you know, go and get your butt lifted. And like you said, that leads to this kind of stifling homogeneity where mm. everyone looks the same. And I thought that was one of the strongest arguments she had in the book, was that women um, should be discarding this Kim Kardashian, Love Island beauty standard. It's fake, it doesn't get them anywhere. And focusing instead on something she calls adornment. Yes. Because she's quite passionate about the idea that you can be an intelligent woman, you can be a feminist, but you can still look good. You can still enjoy makeup and nice clothes. A hundred percent. And I think actually it's really important that you do. But I think it's that something that you can, you need to do it for yourself, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, and that is something I found in recent years myself kind of asking myself, like when I want to do something, that's okay, but almost having a little bit of a discussion with myself or a little chance to think, who am I doing this for? Mm. And if the answer is me, because it's going to make me feel good, not because it because it's going to make me feel like I fit in, but just because that's going to do something for me, fine, go for it. It's the doing things 
for other people for society that that's the issue like and it's 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 the standards we're setting it's not the makeup it's not how we wear our hair it's not the clothes that we choose it's not how often we exercise it's that that we're ex- it's the expectation and and the well the obedience as we've we've said yeah completely and that's i mean I, that's a big part of her conclusion <clears throat> isn't it and i was i was a bit unjustly flippant about it before <laughs> are you going back <laughs> on what you said perhaps now i'm listening <laughs> for the first time to women speak about these issues i know it's difficult it's <laughs> I, I, she does say find other gazes because there's a there's a big part of the book where she talks about the male gaze and how even when men aren't watching women start to watch each other consume each other's bodies and are put in competition against each other um and so one of her kind of um ways out of that is go where you're going to be appreciated um i mean that that's something i wanted more of in the book she talks about having an eating disorder she talks about her experiences of having a uh kind of like a a mixed race body in ireland versus america in black communities in atlanta where she felt much more appreciated where you know her standard of beauty was something that people recognized uh, and was part of a tradition and culture. Well, oddly enough, I have a similar um, kind of upbringing to her because I was born here, but then I grew up in Botswana. And so obviously I had that same kind of thing of living in a black majority country and then coming back to the UK to do A-levels and feeling very different here. Um, and that was, it's. I think it's definitely something of, you know, there are different beauty standards, but again, that's something that's now being homogenized out of the world with increasing globalization. So now it's like, you know, the bleaching your skin, Japanese people are having their eyes westernized, even as Western people are having their eyes made more Asiatic, which just seems entirely mad. And all of it is to make money for somebody. And that's in the end, it's like, what, why are we buying into this? You know, we just need to, we do need to step away from that. And one of the things, I mean, I'm not going to, I have actually been doing all the things that Emma says we should do, but purely by coincidence this year, I decided I was just going to get out and do some crazy stuff. So I was already doing open water swimming, but I joined a sea synchronized swimming group, which is all women of all ages. Um, we just started doing it for fun, but we ended up doing it at Margate Pride and being on the news. That's so fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was lovely because we are all different shapes and sizes and, and we had just had so much fun. And we did put on ridiculous synchronised swimming makeup with like loads of lipstick and stuff. And we did our performance in Walpole Bay. And it was just lovely because it was this collective act and people who came to watch said that they found it incredibly joyful. And that's what I think when she's talking about this active beauty. It's beauty and joy of doing, of making, rather than of just being this object. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, I've I've been back at the gym recently. I have, like, a, a, a big um, love-hate relationship with exercise. Um, <laughs> and, and with my body, to be completely honest. Like, I've never... I've been... I've been a size four and I've been a size 14 and I haven't been happy at any of those sizes and I've been in between. Um, So, you know, it's been kind of in my consciousness for a long time that the size isn't the issue here, right? Like even if I kind of squeeze myself into whatever the definition at the time of beauty is, I still don't feel good. And it's because I'm guessing a misalignment between what I actually want and what makes me feel good as opposed to... Oh, but but also, does. I think 
part of the point of the beauty culture is that you're never going to feel good because well, no. Other, no one does. Yeah. So mm. even the people who are told they are the most beautiful mm. women on the in the planet don't feel good because the whole point has got to be unachievable so that you keep striving for this thing that's out of reach. Like yeah. It's like diets, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's all set up to make you fail. Uh-huh. Well, that makes sense. So, yeah, being, being back in the gym, I've, I've had to kind of really switch up my mindset and I'm there, like, thinking, why am I here? And, and not, because it can be very easy getting back into exercise to start looking if you've lost any weight, if your butt looks bigger or smaller, or, you know, is my, have I taken any inches off my waist? Like, and actually it's like, no, I, I want to be strong. I want mm. to be using my muscles. And again, even that doesn't, not, I don't want to look necessarily like a female bodybuilder who look amazing. Again, I'm just here to work my muscles and and use my body and, and make sure it's looked after. And I've really been trying to have conversations with myself. Same with eating. Like, I'm not eating because I need to lose any weight or I need to diet. I'm trying to give my body fuel. Like, it's got me this far. I'd like it to get me bit further too <laughs> but I think all of those things I mean I think if if young women were told to exercise to be strong rather than to be thin we wouldn't be in a better place just for that alone I, I was talking to my younger sister about this and I was asking her about you know what do you feel about today's beauty standards how does it make you feel do you feel anxious about your body and she said I focus on strength and self-care I don't focus on weight or attractiveness or beauty. I think beauty for a lot of younger women is a really outdated concept. It kind of feels like something from Reader's Digest in the in the nineteen sixties <laughs> or fifties. It's about I mean, it's about ascribing to something that um other people like. It's about being attractive for men, isn't it? Beauty mm -hmm. is about putting on makeup so you can find a husband or you, you can keep men interested. And I think focusing rather on strength and feeling good in your body and feeling like you can age well in your body I think that's the new frontier really yeah I think uh, yeah I, I, I guess like but you what you sometimes see happen is then we started getting like what was the hashtag like uh strong not skinny and then there was like it almost evolved into a new standard of like okay you've got to be really t not only have you got to be thin you've got to be really toned like you have to be I think you've raised a really good point but I I just kind of illustrating as Emma talks about how things shift and we think oh this is really good but how it can so easily yeah morph back in it's always out just out of reach yes it yes. always like can end up being like it's almost like kind of like society and and this this thing is like although it's not um it's not a person uh, but it almost feels like it's like, oh, well, I can still, I can work with this. Like, <laughs> Well, I, I think it was like when, I remember when um, Mad Men first aired and um, Christina Hendricks was suddenly like, oh my God, look at her, she's amazing. And she is amazing. And she's like this incredible woman. But her figure is just as unattainable as like a super thin figure because not very many people are built like her. So it's all very well going, look at her great curves. But again, it's like, well, you, I can't have, I can't have that body. So it's still just another body that's being mm -hmm. held up as an ideal that's impossible. And so this is why we just, this is where we need, it's always about, um, you know, you're being set up to fail. <laughs> and it's like, that's why I think where we talk about, I mean, where she talks about imperfection, the Japanese art of kintsugi, which is the broken, fixing broken things. So that you're just embracing this idea of, of ephemeral nature of beauty but also that it will be broken and smashed and remade and broken and smashed and remade and I think when you think about it like that 
it's not going to be the same through your life and that's and you know the idea of a mother maiden crone and all of those kind of ideas that you know there's still beauty in old age and you're not invisible suddenly when you turn a certain age I think there's a lot in the book it is a very short book um and I think there's a lot that could be explored further but I I'm glad we've managed to talk about it for this long because I was a bit worried when you said you were bored yeah I'll just go I do think it's short but I do think I think it would be a good book that would be good reading in schools um with a discussion afterwards yes um or several discussions um because yeah we kind of touched on and you you were saying about talking to your younger sister and and yeah I do there is a small person in my life and uh, I do worry for her about beauty standards and and I think when you're looking at it, when you're kind of observing somebody else growing up, you're you really see how young those standards start to get into to, to oh. heads and start getting handed Absolutely. down. Absolutely, yeah, that's it's, and it's horrifying how early girls start thinking yeah. they need to lose weight, and you start like and and yeah, and even just their awareness of pretty and what's mm. not, and and that that such small people can have awareness of hair needing to be nice and and you know. Uh, clothes whether they're too fitting or you know don't look good or it just is terrifying and you really do sort of find yourself starting to notice I know I, mean, I know that I am very careful with my terminology in terms of trying to ensure that I'm not adding to that can't fix it but uh always wanting to be like I don't want to add to that because yeah. it's going to be difficult enough right Oops. I think we probably would wrap this one up um but I would just ask before we finish on it um it's difficult to rate it because mm. it's it is an essay, but if you had to rate it, would you recommend it? Do you know, just a quick sort of sum up. Uh, I would probably <laughs> land on like a, it's a tricky one. I would probably land on like a 3.5. That feels harsh though, but then I'm comparing it it's because I didn't have that love for it when I read it. Mm. I think it's definitely something I need to reread and come back to and I might rate it higher. But I'm thinking about like books that I've been absolutely obsessed with, but still only gave them four or 4.5. So it feels like it needs to be lower than that yeah um but definitely we recommend i will be gifting it to people and and kind of chatting about it with people cool i definitely recommend the book um i'd say a solid four i think having gone to see the exhibition um the arguments make more sense in my mind certainly and just really quickly something we didn't touch on is i i think a lot of the lessons in the book are applicable to men as well yes Uh, because i mean essentially it's the, the big question is um how do you feel in your own body who is this body for why are we why are we doing all of these things around beauty and strength and attractiveness um so i think it'd be really good like saf was saying is if this kind of book was available to children in school to open up that kind of discussion 100 percent, the patriarchy helps both men and women absolutely yeah so a solid four definitely i think i come in on a four as well i'd really like to see the exhibition so i'm going to make the effort to go up next year and and see it Um, So now we're at the bit of the show where we try to help one of you, our listeners, find their next must-read book. Is everyone ready? Yep. Yes. Right. Our request today comes from... I think it's from Jane today. Hi, Novel Thoughts. Um, I'm just wondering if you could send me a recommendation for a new book to read or listen to on Audible. I've just finished Poor by Catriona O'Sullivan and Strong Female Character by Fern Brady. And I'm partway through The Lost Rainforests of Britain by Guy Shrubsole, and also um, Soundings 
by Doreen Cunningham. And I did start Wintering by Catherine May, but it wasn't really for me. And I, partway through, um, How We Might Live at Home with Jane and William Morris by Suzanne Fagans Cooper. Um, I have ADHD, so I juggle books quite a lot and rarely finish, but I did definitely finish Strong Female Character and Poor, and I'm currently listening to I Am A Fan, which is good. Um, But yeah, if you can recommend anything (laughs) that might take my fancy... I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> that is a long and admirable reading list. Yeah, I think you maybe just go back and try some of those again. <laughs> Read one of the thousand books that you've mentioned because they all sound fantastic. <laughs> they do sound fantastic and there's a lot there. But also I'd say what's tricky to, to recommend is that you're, you're there's so many different genres Yeah. and you haven't really given us a strong steer on what of those genres you really like, Jane. If you like books about like the British countryside, um, which I think a couple of those were, um, you might like Robert McFarlane, um, who is a brilliant writer who writes about the woods and walking and and English history. So that would be my recommendation. He's written quite a few different books, so you might dip into him. I think that's a strong recommendation. I was going to recommend... I am a fan by Sheena Patel, but I, <laughs> I think Jane's already listening to that. Just because it has really great short chapters and it's an easy book to get through, especially if you're kind of like you know you've you struggled to find the kind of attention to to follow a big book, it's it's a good book for that. I would say I um, would think this is the place to be by Lara Pawson might be a good fit for mm. Jane. So this was published a while back, I think 2016, and it's a short fragmentary autobiography of Pawson's um, upbringing in the home counties and her time as a BBC reporter covering civil wars in Angola and Ivory Coast. Um, It's incredibly intimate and it's a very honest text, sometimes really brutally honest, um, but also very humorous. And as I've said, like I am a fan, it has kind of short floating paragraphs, so will hopefully be easier to get through. It's only 136 pages. Another thing, if you're really struggling to read, I sometimes find is poetry because poems generally shorter than novels and you can just read one and then you can put the book down and you don't feel like you've not finished the book. So that can be quite a good thing to read if you want to read something but you're you're struggling with a, you know, big fat page turning book. Yeah, my mum does that. She reads a Mary Oliver poetry collection if she can't get into her mm. next book, so I think that's a really good piece of advice. Any thoughts, Saf? Yeah. So one thing I was thinking was short stories would be quite good for you if you're struggling to stick with something. I love a short story when I can't uh, finish a book because I can dip in and out of it. I can read a chapter. That's one story. Feel like I've achieved something. Um, So I'm thinking like Antarctica by Claire Keegan, her latest. That short story is brilliant. Um, And I feel like that would fit in with some of the titles that you've mentioned. I feel they're, they're along the the lines a lot of the short stories i read are quite creepy and weird uh which don't sound like they'd be quite up your street but i think the claire keegan one would and then the other thing that i was thinking as you were talking was um memoirs which we mentioned last last week i do love a good memoir um i got the impression from what you mentioned some of those could be up your street so some that i loved that i could think of was crane wife by cj hauser 
Um, I'm Glad My Mum Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Uh, In Love by Amy Bloom. Um, and then I did just think of another short story that I think it's Kathy Sweeney, Modern Times. That was a short story collection that I thought was really good. It is slightly strange, but I still think it could be worth a try for you. That's where I'd land. Great. Okay, um, well, that's just about it. I think we're at the end of the show. Next week is your choice, Joseph. Yep. So next week we'll be talking about RF Kuang's award-winning fantasy novel, Babel. Make sure you join us for our deep dive into that and for more general book and culture chat. As always, links to everything we've been talking about today will be in the show notes. Do feel free to like and subscribe to the pod, tell a friend or leave us a review. It all helps. And please do follow us on Instagram and TikTok at novelthoughts underscore pod. Bye. Bye. Bye.